The Seven Rock Life Show is about stories that inspire with people that you will admire, learning to develop new chapters in life, learning from the past, but letting the old stories expire so it gives room for the new stories you create. Our brand is about three things, victorious in your life, contributing to society, and having fun along the journey. Seven Rock Life is a lifestyle that inspires and gives back with a mission to impact the world one life at a time. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this journey. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Seven Rock Life Nation podcast show. We are so grateful to have you tuning in today and each week. A few updates to keep you in the loop with the brand and mission. First, we want to thank each and every one of you for making season one of the show a success. We hit 44 countries around the world and we are continuing to grow and make an impact. Make sure to go back, share, and check out the 23 episodes that inspired so many in season one. If you haven't left a comment yet on iTunes or Spotify, or even on Amazon with the Seven Rocks of Life book, we would appreciate that so much. Every review we read, we work on getting better as a brand to help you achieve your goals and helping our brand's mission to get out into the world to make an impact in society. With all the comments and shares on social media, we appreciate the love and the response from you all that has been given. All of those help to share our mission worldwide. We will be starting our season two going forward, so get ready for that. This podcast show is to help you become a better individual. Seven Rock Life Brand is about inspiring others, sharing ideas, and giving resources to help you become the best version you were destined to be. Whether it's the Seven Rocks of Life book on Amazon, which you can check out there, it gives the framework slash story of this lifestyle brand, or our clothing, which is sevenrocklife.com, which is a brand that inspires and gives back. We believe your clothing should empower your life's mission while looking pretty stylish as well, or some may say looking pretty swag. <laughs> Our full collection has some amazing new clothes and trends that are exclusive and also limited, so be sure to check those out. We are also having our Living to Inspire Festivals, which is a new and unique live event experience designed to educate, entertain, and connect one another through the Seven Rocks of Life mentality. Those out there who love to sing in the shower, me being one, this is your chance to show off your talent, these events, with your friends, family, and people that you just want to get exposed to this mindset. I know I am excited for these to get filled up in all rocks of life. We are striving to help you and the world become the best version we can every day. Check out the book, clothing, and festivals, our YouTube, our social medias. Not only will we be information that changes your life and make you live and feel better, but all of these are linked up to giving back, supporting charities and missions and causes around the world. Below in information is attached the website links so you can share and check out. You can see our latest trailer from Africa on our YouTube channel, Seven Rock Life, and also our festival dates on our live are live now on livingtoinspire.com. New York being the first one, get ready for a great episode of The Victorious Mindset with contributing back to society and of course having fun along the journey. Keep sharing the Seven Rocks of Life mentality. We love you all and appreciate each and every one of you. Keep living to inspire every day. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, Steven Zirka here. Welcome to the Seven Rock Life Podcast. Uh, excited to have you guys here, and we have an awesome guest today. So excited, uh, Chris Algeri. So a little background on Chris. Uh, he was a former two-time world kickboxing champion, uh, former WBO super lightweight champion, 
certified sports nutritionist, and also attended Stony Brook University, a fellow Seawolf. So excited to have you here, and thanks for coming, Chris. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, no, it's, it's exciting. We got lunch you know, a couple of weeks ago, and it was great catching up. And uh, just uh, fellow Seawolves, you know, representing, you know, so, uh, so let's get into it, you know, kind of a little background story, how you been and, you know, people that maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people know about you, obviously, and being uh, worldwide and everything that you've been doing, so mm-hmm. excited for you and new things happening. So uh, kind of give you a background growing up and where you come from. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Long Island born and bred, you know, I actually live in the household that I was born in with my parents, my family were uh, super tight knit, you know, my, my father is Italian from a pretty generic long island forget we'll about it yeah yeah exactly exactly long island italian you know pastas on sundays and gravy and all that <laughs> um but and my mother's from argentina actually so i've got um kind of that bicultural background um dealing with my my grandparents from from argentina and 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 my other side my my father's side from from italy um so culture and family was was always a big deal for me growing up and just being from long island you know um and anyone who doesn't know what long island's like it's Pretty much like a TV show suburb. It's a Long Island. It's yeah. long and it's an island. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's 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 American suburbia, uh, super densely populated. Lots of lots of Italian and Irish people <laughs> to deal with growing up. But uh, you know, it's it's, it's a beautiful place to grow up. Yeah. So you um so kind of walk us through like your childhood. How was your childhood? And then going you know from childhood to to Stony Brook, um you know and then with boxing because i know you were kickboxing for a while yeah right? so i grew up in a household where um you know long island everyone everyone in long island works my parents worked a lot so they weren't really around a lot so i spent a lot of time with my grandparents both sides um the italian and the argentinian side mostly the argentinian side growing up and um we were really pushed my brother and i i have one older brother we were really pushed in, in the area of education mm. you know that was really really something that was important growing up. Who got you into that? Was it your parents or? No, mostly my grandfather. My grandfather was an engineer from Argentina. Um, He he had multiple successful businesses down in Argentina. And um, because of of political unrest and revolution down there, they moved up here. And it was kind of tough for them because they went from being, you know, the upper upper class down in in Argentina in a third world country to coming back to, to the U.S. and being or coming to the U.S. for the first time and being in a low income area. Hmm. And having to have to live in like the project housings of, of Huntington Station, wow. so it was a, it was a it was a definitely a culture shock for them. What years were that? Do you remember the years of what? That, that was? was in the mid seventies. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then my 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 father met my mother. My my father was a basically a local grease type greaser guy. You know, like Italian Huntington Station, uh, driving his GTO, and, uh, <laughs> and my and my mother, the beautiful South American, you know, who was new to the block. So, um, you know, they hit it off. They started dating when they were 16, 15 years old, oh, never awesome. looked back kind of thing. So, but it was, it was, it's an interesting clash of cultures and economic statuses mm-hmm. between the two families. So that was always one thing from, from childhood, like kind of growing up and getting that experience from both ends. Um, but also seeing the conflict of classes, you know, growing up, seeing that between, you know, my mother's side and my, and my father's side. So that was, that was always interesting for me as, as a kid. Maybe I think I probably learned a lot before even recognizing that I was learning a lot. And that makes sense why you're so family oriented. Like even just before coming here mm-hmm. uh, to Seven Rock Life, you know, studio, you're, uh, you know, with your nephew. I'm sorry, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Like, but that means that's awesome, you know, because it's those, it's that foundation. So you always had that foundation growing up of family and, you know, mom and dad being the pitcher mm-hmm. and played a huge role to this day. 100%, 100%. You know, they, they've supported me uh, throughout all of my careers, you know, from kickboxing to boxing to 
you know, through, through school and, and, and working as a nutritionist. Now, um, I know it wasn't always easy for them watching their, you know, their, their youngest go into battle, you know, but that's just what I'd like to do. And yeah. who got uh, you into kickboxing? Um, so we, I grew up watching boxing with my grandfather. Blood sport. <laughs> yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> so, <laughs> we were just talking about that. Of uh, I remember as a child is uh, Bloodsport yeah. and uh, Over the Top mm-hmm. with Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, they're so cool. They're yeah. my superheroes, you know? It's funny. So you're a Sylvester Stallone guy. I'm always, I was a Schwarzenegger guy. So I mm. love like Commando. Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arnold was my guy. Um, Who do you think would win, you know, if they had a real fight? At this age right now. Um, at this age right now. I've met them both at the same time. Definitely Sylvester. Really? Oh, yeah. He's he's still s- super strong, super like he's 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 still got it. Is it. Like when you shook his hand, it was like probably overlapping. He's oh, like, dude, he's those guy. guys are so strong. Like yeah. you just feel like I, I took a picture next to Sloan. He put his arm around me. I'm like, this man could crush the life out of me right That's now. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, d- definitely uh, definitely growing up, I was I was definitely a Schwarzenegger guy. But So kickboxing. So going back to that, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't Sean Glover Van Damme. It was who? Uh, it was my, my grandfather. So we watched boxing growing up and I always wanted to be, I always looked at fighters and, uh, and then I was a martial artist. I was in, I was going to karate as a kid, as most kids did doing self-defense. And, uh, we had a couple competitive professional kickboxers in our dojo and they were training for their fights. And, um, they had posters all over the place. And I always remember looking at these posters and seeing these guys and then see them train and being like, this is so cool. And I asked my dad, I'm like, Hey dad, can we go to one of these fights? And we went to a live fight a kickboxing and I was instantly enthralled, instantly in love and was like I went to my dad like, man, I want to do this. Wow. He laughed and was like, eh, we'll talk to your mother <laughs> kind of thing. Um and then we did. I had my first fight when I was fifteen. Fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. So because karate, I think karate is great in you know I had a background at as well and mm-hmm. you learn so much discipline. Yeah. You know, you learn being on time, you learn meditation, mm-hmm. you know, and just getting into your thoughts. And we'll get into a little bit later the the champion. You know, we had Dana Cavalier um uh just a couple um podcasts ago and he talked about just the mindset. You know, we work on our body, but we don't work on our mind. And we're going to go over that a little bit later because that's apply, applicable to everything. Absolutely. You know, in life. Absolutely. So you're 15 years old. You start, you know, kickboxing. You know, how's that from 15 to, you know, 20, 22? Um, yeah, I was, I was kickboxing and then I was wrestling in high school. So it was another very discipline-based um, one-on-one sport. That was always my thing. I always liked one-on-one. I liked fighting. I liked, you know, to me, wrestling in high school was the closest thing to fighting that I could get. Mm-hmm. So I would kickbox from, you know, March until the following wrestling season in, in, you know, November. And then during, you know, during that time I, I'd wrestle. So I was constantly in that training mindset, always thinking about fighting and competing and, and the, the one-on-one aspect. It's always training for, for something. So I, I really was, uh, and then when I wasn't in school, I was in, in martial. I was doing karate. I was doing martial arts. So it was like constantly focused on exactly what you just said: discipline and working the mind, yeah. having the mindset of of always being ready. Yeah. No, because I, I remember that as a childhood. I stopped when I was like sixteen, mm-hmm. and but what it did for my life later, like it's funny. I said it a little while ago. How sometimes your dad or things in your life experiences parents they plant seeds that don't like harvest till like later down the road. Absolutely. Like, that's why I did that. That's why I learned that. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not the, sometimes a season that you wanted, it's seasons later mm-hmm. that the harvest starts to come. So, so now you're, um, you know, you go through all that and then you, what do you do after high school? So after high school, um, I came out of nowhere and did really well in my, my senior year of wrestling. And I was actually approached by a couple of schools for, for wrestling to do like a scholarship. And they were, they were going to my coach, like, where did this guy come from? Um, and like you said, a lot of the, a lot of the seeds that were planted in my sophomore and junior year really blossomed in my senior year yep. wrestling season. 
And um, I had never planned on wrestling in college, but I had schools like Cornell coming and talking to my coach. And I'm like, that's a big deal. But um, but my heart was set. I knew what I was going to do. I was going to be a kickboxer. And, yeah. I, and I knew that I wanted to be a kickboxer. I knew that I wanted to eventually turn to boxing. And I wanted to be world champion. You know, and that, that, was, that was something I had in my mind. And, you know, even dangling that carrot of, you know, scholarship money and wrestling and being treated like a, like a, like an athlete in college, which is a great thing. Um, it just didn't deter me. I knew what I wanted. I was completely set on my goals, even at a young age. So, um, you know, I turned all that down. I, I knew that I wanted to stay close to home so I could train, so I could fight. So Stony Brook University was, was perfect for me. It was, uh, it was a difficult school to get into. I'm sure you remember. Yeah. Um, I took the SATs. I saw the score and I'm like, that's good enough for Stony Brook. I'm good. (laughs) I applied to one school. Dude, I was so stressed, you know, uh, doing the SATs because, you know, it's like the different words you got to match and different things. And I'm just like, then you look, you look back and it's like, education is great. But then you're like, when am I ever going to use this? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I have more degrees in the film honor, but I'm still broke. You know, it's like, (laughs) what do I do now? Yeah. Right. So now you're, you're at college, you're at Stonebrook. How was that? You were there for how many years? uh five, Wait, five so years. what year did you start uh 2002 and then you got done in 2007 so yeah so we were we never connected really no i was there because i was playing ball i got i went there 2005 mm-hmm. and there for four years with you know baseball and everything but um probably passed you know on campus not I'm even sure. realizing yeah so you're so 22 to you know 25 you know years old in that in that range right um, where, so where did that shift come? Cause you're, you went for nutrition, you're, you know, we'll go through that and you have a book coming out, mm-hmm. which I'm so excited. We'll talk about that later and where you can get that. But, um, where did you, where was that transition? You're into nutrition working at, I think Cold Spring, right? Yep. Yep. So uh, originally I was actually a pre-medical student at Stony Brook University and I was, um, I was kind of groomed by my grandfather to be a doctor and to be a physician. Um, you know, they always told me that growing up, that's what I was going to do. I was never really keen on the idea. I was actually adamantly against it for a long time just because I was a, a young boy and you're telling me what to do and I wanted to rebel somewhat. Mm-hmm. But uh, more and more as I was taking the undergraduate classes and uh, the prerequisites and doing really well in them, even my advisors were like, this is a good fit for you. You should really think about going that route. So um, originally I was avoiding that and didn't want to do that. I was thinking physical therapy and athletic training and I tried all these things, which is why I went to school for, for five years because I kept switching you know, what my, my major was going to be. And eventually just landed on the pre-med and I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is wow. we're going to go. I was like, I want to fight still. I know I got to do that. I want to get my master's fight for a little bit. The master's was basically a plan. to let me fight longer so I could go to school, still fight. And then once med school, I knew once med school started that my fight oh, yeah. was over. It's gone, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, I couldn't get away from, from fighting, you know, and, and more and more, um, I was just going that route. At 19 years old, I turned professional in kickboxing while I was in undergraduate and pre-med. Wow. Um, by 21, I was a world champion already. I was undefeated world champion. I was 21 years old. Let me ask you a question because I think a lot of times we were talking about fillers in life and mm-hmm. how the human mind and you know the hours that we have in a day, we can do so much and accomplish, right? So when you're going to school, because that's when I started my business. Mm-hmm. I was in school, double major, working, you know, playing baseball and building my business on the side. How... How were you focused that time? Because if you're focused there, I know focus came later on as well, mm-hmm. right? So walk us through like that intensity of just being able to, to win, but also be in school and being pre-med. It, you know, it was really difficult. People always ask me like, how did you have the time to do that? I'm like, oh, we all have the same amount of time. Yep. But there were things that I left out that I didn't find that were as important, mainly a social life. You know, people didn't understand that I hmm. literally would live a very different lifestyle than most college kids. I did not go out. I did not go and chase girls. None of that. I didn't have a girlfriend. Like I was, that was a big thing for me. I was like, I was like, no, I'm not dating any girls 
while I'm doing this because I'm focused on number one, my grades and number two, my fight career. Like this just takes a lot of my time and mental energy. And I didn't want anything to, to distract me from that. It's funny. I write it in my book is um, I knew that I was going to do something in life. You know, you like, you know, you're going to do something in life when you see you're doing like, you, I always talk about the survivors versus the thrivers mm-hmm. and survivors are not bad, you know, great people and yep. stuff, but then you want to thrive. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to ask what made you want to thrive. But when I started them playing rock band and they can play it backwards, I'm like, I'm doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. Right. Because it's just like you see these fillers and going out, you know, beer pong all the time and it's fine. It's whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, but you yep. were focused on success. Right. Why? Why did you want to thrive? What was in you that made you kind of just say, I want to be different? You know, I always was different. And that's, I think that's, that's something I didn't need to find it. I I just, I realized it in my social interactions growing up, even as a child, I just, I just felt different. I felt like I was, um, I was there to do something special. Um, certain, certain teachers and, and coaches recognize that in me or young at a young age. Um, it started with my martial arts instructor. Then it was, it was teachers that were my art teacher or my fourth grade English teacher. They, mm. every once in a while, every couple of years, I'd come across another adult that saw something in me and wanted to cultivate that and would steer me in one kind of direction. Planting seeds of confidence into you. And yeah. Yeah. that's when it's funny, you know, you said, you said the right word confidence because I didn't have that as a kid and you don't, some people are just born with, they just have it. But like I didn't, and like I had to develop it and be tested and overcome things and win. And that was the biggest thing for me was me overcoming these self doubts and winning. And that's where the idea of being a champion really laid its seeds in me. I think a lot of people listen to this and I know I've, I'm very vulnerable and very open to it is, is, you know, identity and self-love, right? We talked about it, but confidence. Did you, was there ever a time that you lost your confidence? And when you lost it, what, what do you do to get it back? Cause I know that's happened to me many times in my life. And it's like, you know, you, you did it already, but what did you, what did Chris Algieri do to gain his confidence back when potentially lost it? Yeah, no, I'd say there, there was many times. Um, you know, what really helps with, with, for me, anytime I've ever, I've ever had the negative self-talk or, 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 you know, that, that negative mindset or, or a lack of confidence is to kind of just peel away from everything and look internally and, and spend time in my own head mm. and kind of find out what is the reason that this negative self-talk is, is coming out. So you I talk about it's auditing. Mm-hmm. You take an audit. And so walk us through that. How do you, how do you do that? Is it by yourself? Is it with people? Oh no, definitely by myself. Um, I'm, I'm, I spend a lot of time by myself and I always have. And, um, visualization and, and meditation has always been something that's been a big part of, of, I think my success. And I think a lot of it has to do with understanding who I am as a person. And you really, the best way to do that is, is to be alone and to find out what's going on in your own head and not be afraid of what's in there. I think a lot of people yes. kind of avoid their own head yes. because of what's going to happen if this comes out. And honestly, I, f- I felt the same way before. I've, I've tucked things away because I'm like, you know, I don't want to deal with that right now. I don't want to plant that negative seed. Uh, I'll deal with that later. Always comes back to bite me in the ass every single time. So um, having that 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 will to just go go after it and 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 find the problem and take the time to to really clean out that that negative gunk in your head is is really important. Well, I. I- talked about this problem on another podcast. I said, you know, on a computer, the computer that's right here, we have a recycle bin to clear up the clutter, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes we need to, that doubt, we need to put in that recycle bin. Sometimes it's in our, our screen, you know, of our life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you said is so true is, I always say you have to date yourself 
before you can date somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, not mm-hmm. in a yeah. in a, a you know kind of narcissistic way. It's building your home, building Chris Algieri's home, Steve Mazurko's home, your home, whoever listening is right. So how? What are some things that helped you build your home, build your confidence? You know, people, things you did. You said meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people sometimes don't know what to do. We're yeah. not we're not taught this in school. Right. No. And and even in, in meditation, like when I say meditation, it's it's probably not. You know the the the, <laughs> the way that other people meditate or or, or you know like a, a strict meditation protocol or anything like that. I don't have anything like that. Like a lot of time, I would just spend time quiet in the dark. You know, just relaxing and laying on on my back and just kind of thinking. And um and my biggest thing was I've I've always had a very strong imagination. Even when I was a kid, I, I was an artist. I used to draw a lot. and I would be able to draw yeah. from my mind. That's awesome. Um, so I have a I have a good grasp of of imagining things and creating situations in my head. And I would visualize whatever the issue that was bothering me yeah. and just go run through it a million times, a million times. Like if it's, you know, people ask, are you, are you nervous when you fight? I'm like, well, yeah, everyone is. You're, you're going to fight. <laughs> like you're, you're going to be nervous. But at the time that I fight, I'm not because I've spent so many hours walking through what's going to happen, walking through whatever the point of the fight that is most scary to me. Walking through the ring is scary, but I've done it a million times by the time I step in the ring. So that part's not the scary part anymore. So, oh man, when they announce your name, that's the scary part. Okay, I'm going to think about that over and over in every different way that they could say it. You know, and, and okay, well, you know, that first bell, when that first happens, you go out there and meet that guy or you look at that guy in the eye the first time, that, that's the scary. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. You ever see the Will uh, Smith skit, uh, not skit, uh, on YouTube? He talks about jumping out of a plane. You know, no. If you guys definitely check it out, mm-hmm. if you listen to this, it's uh, him jumping out of a plane. He talks about how, you know, fear is, is a paper thin wall, right? Mm hmm. But uh, paper uh, thin concrete wall. It looks yeah. it, it looks like you know concrete, but it's paper thin. Yeah. And it's that fear. And he talks is when I went skydiving. Like I remember it was like two summers ago. I was afraid of heights. Right. So 28 years old. I'm afraid of heights. I'm a little baby. I'm like I don't like heights. But I'm like I need to conquer this. I need to do the thing that you don't want to do is the thing that you do want to do. Right. And I remember going up in a plane. It was literally the night before. My brother's like, you want to go? You know, skydiving. I'm like, sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, I think. Right. <laughs> So we have parachutes. So we go Lily 11 hours later, but we don't tell my mom or dad because she would have had a heart attack. So we Lily go there. We're watching a video with this old guy with his beard saying, just let you know, you may die. He says it like 20 times. It's a true story. Right. And I'm like, that's great. Like, why are you telling me this? You know? And so that just puts fear in your mind. You know, the, the paper thin concrete wall is not paper thin. It's now concrete. Mm-hmm. So you go in and you're in this little turbine engine. And, and Will Smith walks you through this, and he, he does an amazing job, um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he, he's like, you go up there, and you're like, all right, it's cool because it's, it's a small plane, but it's also not cool because it's only one engine. But you have a parachute, so it's like, all right, you know, I could jump out, but then there's fear. So the door opens, and I'm connected to this guy. And you look, and you're like, I've never been on a plane that the door is open. Yeah. And you're scared crap. Yeah. And I'm like we're doing this and then you get close and you're like and he's like put your foot on the ledge like no i'm not putting my foot (laughs) on the ledge everything in your body is telling you not to do this it's all this fear Mm -hmm. so we i put my foot and then he's like one two he launches me on two Mm -hmm. because you don't do three because then people restrict right and i'm like (laughs) holy crap we're going and fear and then and then you're like whoa that was a paper thin concrete wall it Mm -hmm. wasn't as bad right that could be in i'm sure that happens maybe when you're walking up and getting in the ring then you're in the moment you're like fighting you know whoever you're fighting and then or it could be somebody you need to talk to or a person a phone call Mm -hmm. you know like if you're in sales and you got to call somebody you're afraid yeah or a girl that you need to call you know so so 
you got to watch that. It's amazing, you know, with what he does. So how, you know, with that fear and, and that confidence, you know, what, um, did you always know your identity, Chris, of who you are? That's a, that's a good question. Um, and the, the best way that I can answer it is, it's easy for me to be like, oh yeah, sure. I knew exactly what I was, but I think the best way to answer it is kind of now bring in other people when, um, I meet people that maybe I haven't seen in a long time. Um, or maybe missed the portion of my life where I was, you know, out and being a champion and, and really busy and, and, and in the spotlight. And then I meet and I run into these people again afterwards. And I get told that, hey, man, you, you just like I remember you, like you're the same person you are. I've had people tell me, like, you're the same person since seventh grade. Wow. You know, so I guess that's a pretty good testament to me understanding who I was as a person and, and knowing my identity. Um, you know, I just, I am who I am, you know, and I'm not for everybody. I know that, but it is what it is. And I think today in today's world, we, we try to, you know, impress everything and everyone instead of impressing us, you know, and, and our higher power, God, whatever you believe in, you know, and I think, uh, that was the biggest lesson I've learned over the years. Just stop getting approval from everything and everyone. Yeah. And know, Hey, you know, Chris Audrey, he knows what he is, what he can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I got him on my side above me, you know, and it's just that, it's that confidence. It's that feng shui, you know, your vibe affects your tribe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and people, I, and, and to attest to it as well, other people ask me like, man, like, you know, listen, if you're in the spotlight, there's negativity. Like people are like, how do you deal with the negativity? And I've probably gotten more than most um, in my time. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they think about me. What's like, your, what's your perspective on haters? I mean, the hater, the definition of a hater is someone who, who shits on somebody for doing something that they would never do. Mm. Like, yo, you hate what I do, dude, you, you could never even think about doing what i'm doing yes and you're gonna say next something negative about it that's that is like that's the saddest thing in the world saddest the saddest person in the world yep. is the guy who hates but it, it motivates you man yeah, i mean I, it, it doesn't people ask me like does that motivate you i'm like no like it does it literally has zero effect on me it doesn't yeah. have a negative effect it doesn't have a positive effect i am what i am i know what i want to do and i have my goals and, and my, that's not gonna and it's me. true because you're right because when you're trying to do it for them then you forget about doing it while you're really doing it yeah did i ever tell you what hater stands for mm-hmm Having anger towards everyone reaching success. Boom. You said it. Bound. Bound. Boom. <laughs> yep. So before we go into you know the next chapter, you talked about visualization, mm-hmm. right? Uh, English was my first language, so <laughs> forgive me. Um, so the thing is, how did you visualize you know your your winning your life? Because that's going to go fast forward to where we're going to go, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, being former you know WB super lightweight champion. Mm-hmm. So now you're what, 22, 23? Like where, where are we at now? So now college, we're, right? After college? We're after right college before- um, and I'm in graduate school. I'm studying nutrition. Um, I ended up going that route because one, selfishly, I was trying to help myself in my own professional career and realized that uh, nutrition was a, played a massive role in, in sports performance. Um, so that was kind of that. And it also, like I said, it was going to give me time before I went to medical school. Um, but then in that process, learned about how much good I could do with nutrition and helping people and how satisfying that was. Um, so that, that, that was, that was a big changeover for me in terms of my academics and where I saw my future. Why did you like nutrition so much? I know because you said it helps people, Mm -hmm. but discovering your body. It it initially occurred because of wrestling in high school. It was such an unhealthy sport. Oh my God. I mean the, the, the stuff we put ourselves through and our, our young bodies, our young developing bodies through, um, it was a nightmare. My, my last two years of high school when I was wrestling at a high level, um, it was awful. It was so bad. Like I was just, I was starving and hungry and thirsty and thirsty all the time. Like it was just You're terrible. hungry, not hungry. Oh, hungry. No, even worse. Whatever, whatever the worst feeling it was in terms of hunger, <laughs> it was, but still having to have to compete and, and to be, 
uh, strong and, and, and have endurance. It, w- it was just awful. And I just figured there had to be a better way about this. And um, that's kind of where my own like unstructured studying came from. I started reading a lot of books in, in high school and college that were unrelated to my, my studies. Yeah, that's why it's funny. That's when I remember going to college. I don't know. It, was, it must be a Stony Brook thing. I wanted to learn about nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I think when you grow up in a Spanish and Italian house like yourself, we don't eat the best, no. you know, cannolis and all these things. And you're like, that's why carbs, 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 carbs. Yeah. 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 And everything. fatty meat, yep. fatty protein. And prosciutto. Yeah. Get this prosciutto, you know, yeah, it's yeah. very good. <laughs> oh man. But you know, so now you kind of went, um, you know, with the nutrition and then walk us through, like, how did you start getting into the boxing world? Yeah. So, um, I had, you know, I, I always, as much as I say, like, I'm going to say, oh, when I was a kid, I was kicking around the idea of being a world boxing champion. I really wasn't. Like, I really wanted to do that. Um, I didn't see a path for me to do that because I was kind of deterred by a lot of people. Um, I had people telling me, like, ah, you know, like, that's that's really hard to get into. It's a whole different world. Like, yeah, yeah you're a kickboxer. Stick with that kid kind of thing. Um, but I just, it was always there. I was, I mean, I always watched boxing. It was always my favorite sport. Even when UFC, like, really blew up, blew up onto the stage and came around, I'm like, hey, this is cool, but I'm like, I'm not boxing. Like, I want to watch boxing. And I was kickboxing. So... And everyone made kind of like, wow, why, why wouldn't you go to MMA? I'm like, ah, boxing is is where it's at for me. That's what I grew up watching. That's what More I still love. More of like love. an art, you feel? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I do. I think um, it, because it's 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 so it's so fine. You only have two weapons to to, to study mm. that you can actually master them. It's not like a million different things at once. But that's true. But anyway, so that 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 whole the whole move towards boxing was something that was always always in the back of my mind. Um, and I had I had set my goals in kickboxing. I wanted to be a world champion twice, and I wanted to do it in two weight classes, and I wanted to win different organizational titles. So I wanted to be I didn't want to just win one title and be like, oh, he, you know, he won a world title, he's a world champion. I was like, I want to win two world titles, two weight classes. That's so important. Mm-hmm. You visualized exactly what you wanted, yeah. you threw your goal out there, you spoke it into the universe, mm-hmm. right? And would you say that contribute to you getting focused to doing it and, and oh absolutely I mean that this was literally I, I this is my goals I set at 16 you know and I, I accomplished them by 23 I was a two-time world champion um, and I had won the titles I even I got so specific with my goals I haven't said one of the world titles has to be the ISK world title because that was the one that was universally recognized as, as you're the baddest kickboxer on the planet if you have that title so that was my last kickboxing fight I was 23 years old um, I fought a guy who had beaten me in in another organization. And it was my last fight. And it was just such a satisfying victory to not only complete my last goal that I was set for kickboxing, to do it against a guy who had beat me somewhere else. So it just it just vindicated everything that I had done. And for me, there was nothing more to do. Yeah, and, and you know, many dreams die under the ground because they are never spoken about into the universe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wrote them down. I mean, I've I've yeah, I wrote them down. I have them. Like I manifested these 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 goals and these ideas, and as far fetched as they might have been. You know, like that was probably the biggest learning experience of my life is that um, dream fucking big, real big, because when you accomplish yep. them and you realize you could have done more, yep. it's really, it's difficult to, to go back and be like, Ooh, now what? You know, cause that's, I, you know, I got there, I did that and I was like, man, I, I is as lofty as these were, I should have reached higher. You ever hear crabs in a bucket? No. Put crabs in a bucket. And one's trying to get out. The other one's going to try to pull you down. Mm. And a lot of times, you know, we talk about always Steve Jobs and, and different people, Dell, you know, all these people that have created things, right? Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. You know, people are probably pulling them down because they, they don't envision, they don't see it in their mind. Yeah. But you have to see, see, before you succeed, if you're listening to this and you're in business, you're in career, whatever, you're in boxing, athlete, you have to visualize your yourself being a champion. Yeah. I remember 
you know, my sophomore to junior year, I said I was going to get released. And I said, no, I want to get another chance. I visualized that summer more than ever. I read a book called Mental Toughness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And his book talked about baseball. And I didn't understand like the mentality because you can have your, I see guys with a lot of talent, right? But then their mentality is wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you have a beautiful car, but you don't know how to drive it right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And um, so maybe walk us through of just what have you um, experienced with that? kind of dreaming, you know, and then all that coming to for, for, uh, for tuition mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's surreal. It really is because like I said about the visual visualization and also the goal setting, um, you, you think about these, these ideas and these ideals and these moments for so long and you, and you run them through your mind so many times, it's almost like they've happened already. Yep. So when they, when you do accomplish them, it's like, man, like this is so exciting, so and so wild, but at the same time, like I've already been here. Like there's 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 an odd sense of comfortability, comfortability yep. in um in in achieving long after sought after goals. And it's I just saw it and I don't I can't sit through movies. Like I'm I have like ADD when I just want to go do things. Yeah. I'm and I, I like documentaries like stuff, but my mom and family they're like, Oh, you gotta watch Stars Born. So I watched it, you know? Oh yeah, I heard about it. It was this. actually a great movie. And really inspiring. And, and I took a couple of things away, talking about identity, talking about dream. Bradley Cooper had a vision, right, of what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And he visualized himself being an artist turning into a singer. Yeah. And then Lady Gaga going from a singer to, you know, to an actor, mm -hmm. you know, with singing in there. Yeah. And a lot of people, I don't know if they know, but he, he got mad with Lady Gaga having makeup on. He said, I want you to be your real identity. Mm -hmm. Stop covering yourself I up. I heard about this, yeah. Stop being, being the authentic you. Yeah. You know, do you think in today's society, sometimes we have that online image and offline image? And it's, and we spoke about this mm -hmm. is that, you know, you look good here, but you forget about building your offline image. Right. Right. hundred percent. Have you always just said, you know, I'm going to build my offline image, build me, build my character and take the mask off. Cause what I always loved about you, seriously, Chris, and we met only, you know, a couple times, mm -hmm. you always just real, you yeah. know, you're just like, Hey, I'm, I am who I am. You know, you like me. And I, I think I said to you upstairs and, uh, and up there is that I said, your goal is to be like, likable in life, but your goal is not for you to like you or, like you or not. That's their goal. That's right. their task. Mm -hmm. You know, We sometimes try to make our task for somebody to like us. Yeah. You know, Because then it's weird. And I'm sure you've met people. They're like, hey, do you want to be my friend, Chris? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, just be you. Yeah, And exactly. I'll see if you qualify, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's been a big part of, of who I've always been. It's like, you know, I, I, like we said earlier about my identity and, and knowing who I was. And, you know, I, I do. And I, and I, and I have. Um, and it is strange, you know, seeing this, this social media life that's, that's now enveloping around, uh, the, 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 the society or the world. Um, you know, people, it's funny, you know, you, you, people can be whatever they want to be, which, which is an uplifting thing, but now it's like people can fake whatever they want to be. And yeah. that's so not uplifting. Um, and it's called phantom success. I talked about it on another podcast. Mm -hmm. It's phantom success. Yeah. And we chase this phantom. And and I've done that in my life, really. But when you when you stop chasing the phantom success, mm -hmm. it's so liberating because then you're not trying to be something that you're not. Yeah, I tell people all the time about like, oh, look at this. I want to be like this person. Look at this. I'm like, that's all fake. Like, yes. <laughs> set your own goals. Don't set goals on on someone else's phantom success. Um, I like that that term. But um, yeah, no, no. I I think that um, yeah, you've you've obviously there's going to be your 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 face or your mask in. in and out in the world out there and then like the real you, you know, but the real me is, is honestly, it's just, it's just my family and, and what's close to me. Um, and those are the things that I don't put out there. Yep. Um, but the guy that you see is the guy that you see. I am, I am what I am, yeah. you know, and, and that's that. And I think that's an important thing now shifting into your life, right? Going to boxing 
and then walk us through those, you know, those years, those like year, two years, three years. Because I remember you got to get to the story of you're with your friend in Vegas and you're like, 12 months ago, 17 months ago, we were, talk about that story. Yeah. You told me at lunch. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I came from a kickboxing background. I had no amateur experience. Um, you know, it was, it was a grassroots, like fighting in local venues and selling tickets to my friends and family. And, yep. um, you know, it, it's, it's not the way that a lot of, a lot of fighters come up. Um, especially not the guys that we see on TV and the guys who are world champions. But anyway, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of backing. I didn't have a lot of support. didn't have a lot of money. And, um, I had, was working at the lab, the lab, Colson Arbor lab at the time uh, as a lab technician. And, um, I quit my job, moved to Las Vegas. was like, I'm going to do boxing full time. And it was out there and it was tough, man. Really tough. Like I had no money. I moved to Vegas. Vegas is, is kind of like the hub for boxing training. A lot of guys that come from other countries and, you know, Vegas is just known as like a boxing town. So, um, a lot of great trainers there, a lot of great training, a lot of great sparring partners, a lot of great opportunities. And basically, you know, my trainer and I, we took a long shot. We're like, you know, we're going to go to Vegas. We're going to go to every gym. We're going to beat up everybody and we're going to get noticed. <laughs> that, that was just literally the only plan That's we had. So simple. I so simple. It. Such an easy plan. So we wiped out the bank account and, and, and <laughs> moved to Vegas. Um, but it was hard, man. I mean, we had nothing. We had no money. I was mattress on the floor. I had, you know, one TV. We were stealing internet from the neighbors. Um, I was literally using a uh, upside down shipping box as, a, as an end table in my, in my, be- you know, as a, uh, in my bed. Um, got robbed twice. You know, the place got stole. You know, stole oh my my, my stole my camera that had sparring videos on it and things like that. Stole our TV. Um, good area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, <laughs> good, good time in Vegas. I really love Vegas. Um, anyway, you know, I, I fast forward less than eighteen months, and I'm a world champion. I'm about to fight uh, Manny Pacquiao in China, and we're doing the uh, seven city worldwide press tour. Who would you fight before that? Ruslan Pranikov is where I won. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's before. We're not going to go to Manny yet. I want to go to that. Ah, uh, okay. Right, because you know that's a powerful story. Yeah. Right. How did you get that fight? Um, I beat a guy I wasn't supposed to beat. Okay. All right. <laughs> a couple of them actually. A couple of them. So I was the underdog, you know, leading up to that fight, and um, I actually was about to quit the sport. Um, wow. I just my career was not moving the way I wanted it to. The money wasn't there. It was becoming increasingly difficult to. I was personal trainer at the time. That's actually how you and I had had uh, yeah. had met a few times, yeah. and um, yeah, I was making more money training people than I was in my in my fights. You know, so I, I was getting offered money, and I would say, "Man, I can make more money in the next two weeks training people than I can in the next six weeks training for this fight." Like it doesn't make sense, you know. Like I, I need more money to do this, you know. Um, and it just it just wasn't there. And I fought in September. I had a big win. And I came back and, and I told my promoter, I'm like, hey, all right, what, what, what do we got now? It's September. Like, we still got, you know, three and a half months of this year. Let's, let's get another fight in. Nah, you're good. You fight next year. I'm like, uh, okay, cool. Then I went to watch a fight at Madison Square Garden where a fighter, um, it was a, a back and forth fight. Guy got hurt, passes out in the dressing room afterwards, does multiple brain surgeries. The guy is not going to make it. They're going to say, they're going to pull him off life support. Wow. Um, Thank God he ended up making it. He is, you know, he is alive, but like he's, you know, he's a different person now. Um, so I saw that and I was like, man, so I went into the office on Monday morning. I was like, listen, I'm done. People are dying out here. I'm getting paid five grand for a fight. It doesn't make sense. I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, a week later I get a call. Hey, ESPN main event (laughs) versus a guy supposed to kill me. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. So you were about to, because I think a lot of times people stop right before they're going to have their breakthrough. Yeah. That was it. That was it. Yep. And then who were you fighting? Uh, Emmanuel Taylor. 
He was 17-1. Um, he had just had two very vicious knockout wins on, on national television. He you saw them? Uh, what's that? Did you see them? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know exactly who he was. Yeah. Um, he's a very good fighter. Very good. I think he was like five or six-time national amateur champion growing up and fighting for his forever. Uh, younger guy. I think he was like 23 at the time. I was 29. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a dangerous guy. Tough, 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 tough fight. And, uh, you know... I don't think it's so much that like I almost quit before the breakthrough. I feel like I pushed the breakthrough. breakthrough. Mm. By saying I was going to quit, pushed my promoter to then find something yep. um, and put me maybe in a more dangerous fight than he was willing to put me in, but I was willing. So he calls me- He's tell- afraid to lose out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He, calls me, he calls me up, tells me that. I take it immediately. Didn't even tell my team. Didn't tell my trainer. Didn't tell, my, tell my, anybody. Didn't tell anybody. Um, I called my trainer up like, all right, we got, uh, we got this guy, February, you know, February 14th, 2014. Uh, 10 rounds, ESPN made event. This is the money. And my trainer goes, wait, wait what? Wait, get more money. I, I, how big is the ring? You know, what, what gloves are you wearing? Like all these different things that were very important Yeah, that I didn't think about. But I was like, hey man, it is what it is. We, I'll try, but it is what it is. See, and I said it to my brother because he's, you know, he's doing some projects and everything. I said, sometimes we try to be perfect with like what we're doing instead of perfect with just the execution of going to do, mm-hmm. you know? And like you figure it out. Like, figure it out. You want to set up a, a business or a podcast or whatever. It's like, you know, you figure it out. You want to write a book. I remember people are like, well, how are you going to write a book? I'm like, I just start writing. Yeah. <laughs> I started on my phone. I started writing. Yep. And then I just didn't stop. Like mm-hmm. Forrest Gump. We'll just keep on running. Just kept you know? on running. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's, uh, it's that simple. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes. You just got to go. And, and like you said, figure it out. That's what it is. Just figure it out. So long story short, I, I win that fight. And that guy was supposed to fight Pravonikov in his very next fight. Wow. And literally, I uh, win the fight. I was not supposed to win the fight. Um, dominated, you know, surprised a lot of people. And the next morning, it was like, what do you think about fighting Ruslan Vronikov for the world title in June at, you know, when we're thinking about the venue. I think at that time, it was supposed to be an Nassau Coliseum. What were you thinking at that moment? Panic. <laughs> Total panic. Absolute panic. I'm like, can I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I still have a nosebleed from last night. Can we, can we, can we pump the brakes a little bit? And I, and then I just started thinking like my managerial mind and my business mind started thinking, I was like, wait, listen, um, I've got to be able to train like a world. This guy's trained by Freddie Roach. Yep. He's had multiple world title fights already. You know, like he was in fight of the year last year. He, he's been on HBO how many times? Like he's got the backing, the know-how, the training camp of a true champion. I don't, I'm piecemealing this. Like I, you know, we need to, I need, I need to, I need a real training to make this happen kind of thing. Um, but again, yeah. you made it work. But having the right coach and mentor, because some people are good for a certain season life. And then, you know, you, Hey, you need a different coach if, mm-hmm. to get you to the next level. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, that's, that's hundred percent true. I mean, um, and I think as an athlete, I think especially as your career progresses, you change, yep. you become a different athlete and a different guy. And I think it's important to understand that and to understand that the people around you need to understand that. And if they don't, then you got to find somebody else. And sometimes people or family, like they'll talk to you or they'll coach you with what you were, not what you are now. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's hundred percent. That's, that's a very good, uh, point. I think that's one that people can forget. It's like, oh well, you know, he did this in 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 that season or that fight or in that that time. If he's like, well, it's, it's a an old guy. story. It's yeah. expired. I'm 35 now. I'm a different. I got a different body than I did when I was 25. Yep. You know, I got and I have to understand that, and I do, and I think I have a good grasp on that. But I think the people around me need to understand that too. Yeah. So now you go to that fight. What happens at that fight? Because this is a very powerful story that can apply to everybody's area of life. Yeah. So when they announce the fight, I'm 21 underdog. Um, and that 
gets smaller as we get closer. People start tuning in and realizing because nobody knew who I was, so like they didn't. I wasn't on the big screen, a big stage at all. You're silent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I just hadn't been. In, I haven't been. I fought on ESPN one time. You know, I wasn't a national scene guy. Um, but people started catching wind of my training. People were actually coming to visit me in Vegas while I was training, and you know, we, we had a great training camp. So by the time we fought, I think it was like four or five to one underdog, which is still a pretty big dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, everyone says I'm not known as a puncher. I'm, I'm fighting a guy who's a killer puncher and is basically has a chin made of iron. <laughs> um, his nickname was the Siberian Rocky because he's come from behind and you know knocked people out. That you know, and it's just just a hard, hard dude. Um, grew up in Siberia eating like raw meat raw, <laughs> raw moose liver was like the I ate the rocks thing. really yeah. as a kid <laughs> yeah pr- pretty much pretty much he looked like he ate rocks um, but uh, yeah so first round you know pretty much as the script was written before we even fought I get I get dropped first minute of the fight um, yeah and, I saw that and it was just yeah yeah boom. just big left hook catches me just right and um, and it hit me in a very weird spot. It hit me like in between my nose and my eye, kind of mm. about where my te- my like your tear duct is, your, yep. like where you would tear. That's why I played eye. baseball. You get hit there? No, no. I said that's oh. why I played baseball. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know it's like, oh I got hit by a little ball. It's yeah, no, I got hit with a, with yeah. a knuckle by a guy <laughs> from Siberia. Yeah. Um, and it broke my orbital in three places, broke my nose in two places. Single shot, boom, drops me. So that happened. Yeah, right? that that was the, f- the first punch he landed. Boom, I hit the ground. I I, I literally did a somersault, rolled over, and I was like, wow. That I can't believe I like wow, I couldn't believe someone could punch that hard. And I got up and I couldn't see at all. Both yeah. eyes. I couldn't see out of both eyes. I swelled shut. And that was another thing because and that doesn't I'd never even seen this before, but like uh, before I even got up off the ground, which I got up almost immediately, my eye was almost shut. Like it swelled so fast. Um I later learned that that was because when your orbital breaks, it has it allows access to the nasal bones. So when you're breathing, air fills up that space. Yep. So it actually, it was actually a pocket of air that pushed the swelling of the eye, you know, to close. And then it fills with blood over, you know, as, as it keeps bleeding. Um, so yeah, the eye shut immediately and I got up and honestly, I couldn't see it at both eyes. So obviously he comes rushing at me to, to finish the job because I got up. Um, I move around a little bit. I throw a couple punches. He throws a couple punches and I'm fighting blind. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dodge punches that I can't see. So I take a knee. And I'm, I can't see, so I, take, I, I literally choose to take a knee. I didn't get, I didn't get knocked down again. I sit down, I take, I sit down on one knee. I'm blinking, I'm blinking. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden, I blink one more time, and vision comes back to wow. my right eye, huh. the eye that's that's that's. Wait, which eye is it? I always forget. My left eye. Yeah, <laughs> my good eye. Yep. <laughs> my left eye. Is this one? Because mm-hmm. you were when you're fighting. Right. You're, it was my my rear rear eye. Because if it was the other eye, mm-hmm. it would have been harder. You would. It would lead eye. So, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to do what you did. That'll bring me to what happens in the corner. But um, so I uh, the vision returns to my my left eye, my good eye, and now I get up and I'm like, okay, boom, I can I can fight, I can I can see, I can fight, I can box. So I, I fight the rest of the round. Um, found my range. We actually fought pretty well. Come back to the corner, and it's kind of frantic. I'm looking around like, guys, how bad is my eye? I've never been I've never been hurt like this. And my trainer Tim Lane, he's my head coach at the time. He looks at me and he goes, Hey, baby, we're good. You still got your lead eye. Mm-hmm. And that's all I needed to hear. As soon I was panicked wow. until he said. As soon as he said that, I was like, "Oh, okay, we're good. Got we're good. Oh, yeah, no, that, yep. that makes he rationalized with me because he knows who I am. He knows he wow. knows my coach knew about me, and he knew that I just needed to, some kind of rationalization to understand that we were good. Dude, that's so powerful mm-hmm. when you speak life into people. You know, like 
as a mentor and coach, I always say, like, I see gold before sometimes somebody sees gold in themselves. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's your trainer. What he did there is so profound because it's, it's, he spoke life into you yep. when maybe you were starting to doubt your own life. It's funny. I met, you mentioned it earlier about the seeds that got planted early and then come back and you don't even realize it. So I remember once, I was probably, well, me, I think I was amateur kickboxing at the time. It was, I was 18 or 19 years old. And um, I was warming up for the fight and I just kind of felt out of it. You know, I just didn't feel like I was in it. I didn't feel like I was ready to fight that night for whatever reason. And we had a game plan. And I just didn't do it. We, I went out there. And I was like, hey, you know what? I don't, I, don't feel, I don't feel like doing this difficult game plan. I'm just going to go fight kind of thing. And my trainer, afterwards, I was upset about my performance. He was upset because I didn't do what we worked on. And, you know, he said, Chrissy, what happened? He's like, well, I don't know. But I was just, just kind of, I didn't, you know, I just didn't feel like doing the thing. And, and he goes, yeah, I could tell. He's like, but I didn't, I didn't want to say anything to you before. And I stopped and looked at him. I was like, no, 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 no. From now on, if you see me when I'm off, mm. grab me and say, hey, 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 Wake Chrissy, up. you're off. And that will snap you right back in. And that came back later in that fight because, like, that was exactly it. Because if he, if, he, if he kind of, like, you know, beat around the bush about it, I would have had that doubt still in my mind. But he just cut the doubt right out. And those seeds are, that was a seed I was playing. It's funny because it's learning how to play injured in life. Mm-hmm. We spoke about it just before. Yeah. And when you go through these things of life, whether you're in business and say you're bankrupt, you know, or you're, you know, something happened relationship wise or something happened in boxing, whatever, you, you hit rock bottom for a second or for long, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But then all these like flashbacks, you know, this happened actually over uh, in December for me. I went in my backyard. I had these flashbacks as a childhood of growing up in baseball. My dad like saying, no, you know, you know who you are. Mm. And he wasn't there. I was all by myself. This was just in December, in Christmas time, yeah, uh, Christmas Eve, and it was a hard day for me. And I was just like, "Man!" And you get these flashbacks. And you're like, "I'm gonna let my family down." Mm. You know, I I need to I need to play injured because you were really injured. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So so that was in that started kind of going through your mentality. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, it was just, but like I didn't. <laughs> I I said something earlier about being young and dumb. Like, you know, I wasn't that young. I was 30 years old. But like. And I had been through a lot as a, as a fighter already, but I just, I didn't have any other doubt in my mind, you know, about what I needed to do. I was like, yeah, okay. I don't have this eye. I got to protect it. Um, I, I still got my lead eye. I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight smart. I'm going to make sure he doesn't hit me anymore and just go out there and, and, and do what I came to do. I came here to win this fight. I came here to win this world title. Um, yeah, I made a mistake early and I'm on pay- now I'm paying for it. Um, and I'm gonna have to pay for it then for the next 12 yeah. rounds or so, however so long we're there. Fast forward. What happens in that fight? I win. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, I figured the man out, you know, I boxed my, I boxed, I boxed well. Thank God I was in great shape. Wow. Um, I That's protected so awesome. that eye and get hit much more after that. And, uh, you know, I, I won and, and won my, my world title. And so that was a huge breakthrough. Right? Oh, it was, it was huge. And then was that before or after, um, so after that now go keep going. Was that with your friend? You're in Vegas and this and that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, um, that was what launched me into the Pacquiao fight. And it was funny, like, just like the fight before that I beat the guy I was supposed to, I, I beat this guy. Then I'm at now, instead of the next day, I'm at the press conference. Um, and <laughs> my eye is swollen shut and bleeding yeah. and people are like, Hey, what do you think about fighting Manny Pacquiao? in your next fight. And I was like, yeah, sure. And they were like, hey, how about in China? I was like, it doesn't matter. It's a ring, right? Cool, we'll fight. Wow. And it was just like so fast. And then, yeah, and then again, I, I fast forward to that, back to that story before, my, my friend goes, you know, like you used to be literally living on a, sitting on a, you know, a, on a mattress on the floor with a pillowcase over a t- upturned box holding, you know, your cell phone. And now I was in a three-bedroom suite in Las Vegas at the Venetian you know, and overlooking the city 
and on my way to jump on a private jet to fly to LA to go to the nicest hotel in LA to then take a flight to Shanghai and be in the nicest hotel in Shanghai. And then, to, you know, it was, just, it was just wild how fast things can change. You know, a lot of people listen right now. How important is, is a belief tank and your small wins and big wins in life? Because that's a prime example of mm-hmm. your belief tank started to go up. You built your confidence, right? But sometimes, you know, there are things that happen that belief tank goes down. Yeah. But having small wins and big wins and then putting yourself in a winning position to do it, how important is that? You know, big wins don't happen without the small wins. Yep. And and that's what that's what training is all about. All right. and Say that again. Big wins? Big wins happen because of, well, because can't of happen without the small, small wins. wins. Yeah. What were your small wins that you were doing behind before that fight, if you think about it? So when you walk yourself through, what were the small wins you were doing to win that big win? I mean, there's there's so many in so many different fields. Like I could literally recall sparring sessions where I went through yep. moments of being like, "I'm not ready for this," yeah. or or, or ah, that was that was not a good session. Like I need to step it up. Or man, that was that was it. Yep. That's what I need to do in order to be the guy that wins this fight. Um, I used to do it with baseball. Like, oh, that was a good round of BP batting mm-hmm. practice. Yep. you know, and you know, you played ball, so it's just like you remember those small wins because without those small wins, big wins don't happen. Absolutely. Without those small wins, big wins don't happen. That's it. Mm. That's no, it's just, it's so true. And and then and then, but but so many other things too. Like I remember, you know, the interview process. Like so many interviews leading up to these fights and all this ex- this exposure. And even then, like you get asked. Interviews are great at those times, especially for a young athlete, because you're getting asked a lot of things you never thought about. Yeah, you're getting posed these questions on the spot. You know, like, well, what's, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this person who said that? Or what do you think about he said about this? And I remember one specific one, and I think this was a, a, a big part for me, and I actually called it out in an interview right after the fight. Ruslan himself said, he goes, you know, Chris thinks, and Ruslan's a very smart guy. Don't get me, don't, don't, don't um, get me wrong. Just because his name is Siberian Tiger and he's very, a Siberian uh, Rocky <laughs> and he's a very, very tough guy. He ate moose liver. Super smart guy. He had a master's degree from Russia. He's, a, he's back. He's a politician now. Anyway. Wow. But, um, you know, he said something very, very, very important to me. Very, very, it, it was just, it was, it was poignant in the, what he said. It was, uh, Chris thinks that winning this title is going to mean fame and fortune and all these things. Um, and he's like, that's not how it goes. That's not how it works. Um, you know, cause he was already world champion and went through that, that same experience. And that hit me and I didn't get asked about it. I brought it up myself in, in my post-fight interview. I'm in the dressing room afterwards and my eyes as big as a grapefruit and, uh, I'm being interviewed and I say, I'm like, yeah, Ruslan said something that, you know, was really, really stuck out to me. He said that, um, I had it wrong about what being a champion meant and what this belt was going to do mm. and that it was going to bring me fame and fortune. I'm like, nah, that's not what this is about. I'm like, this, this fight was about me winning. It was about, I was more worried, more concerned about coming out of this fight 20 and wow. 0 than I was coming out of WBO world champion. Huh. And, um, and that was, that was so real and so guttural, but like one of those things in that, that you got chills. Yeah. I, I, I got it even saying it, you know, like, and, and people are looking at me with the belt over, over my shoulder and my eyes shut and being like, oh man, you know, he he did it. He got the title. But I was like, man, I won. I'm a competitive person. I wanted to win, and that was that was it. You know what? I said it to my dad. He called me up. And he's like, you know, you're gonna do this this year. I was like, dad, you know, honestly, that doesn't motivate me. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's great. You know, the title, this and that. But you know, it's it's the pro the progression of what you had to do. It's being in the pursuit yeah. that we enjoy. It's creating. It's building. 
that's what we enjoy because once you're there and a great example is actually uh in you know lady gaga and bradley cooper you know he got a success he had everything that people said oh this is the phantom success and look what he you know did in the movie yeah and i won't ruin the movie if you're watching the movie mm-hmm. um but you know that that's a powerful that's a powerful thing you know because then it's you're very empty it's empty success yeah yeah, yeah. but you know but you appreciate it so now you know, you get this about, you know, you go to Manny Pacquiao. How was that? You know, getting in the ring with that. And I mean, you know, you, you put up a fight and obviously he's a, he's a, you know, champ, you know, but. Yeah, he's a, he's a legend, a living legend. Um, he's I, a great guy too. He, he, is, he does so much, you know, charity and missionary work and. Incredible human being really yeah. is. Uh, he's, he's something else. Um, yeah, I always, I always say like, the, you know, the, the, the Pacquiao fight, it wasn't a fight, it was an experience because mm-hmm. I had a three week press tour leading up to it. You know, it was months. It was like basically from immediately winning that title until we fought in November, it was just like a whirlwind of events. Um, you know, the press tour, seven cities, multi, you know, multi country. Um, and then the fight itself, you know, fighting someone like that. And, you know, we kind of had the idea. It's like, well, he's older now. Like we got a different guy in front of us. Like it's, it's, it's his time to be over. It's my time. And it's crazy. Like that fight was four and a half years ago. He's still beating top guys. Like he's like, it, age doesn't matter to him. Um, he's, he's incredible. And I felt really bad about losing that fight when it first happened. And uh, I finally have gotten to like kind of look back and be like, I didn't fight the best, my, my best performance. I didn't, I didn't, I'm still not happy with how I performed. But at the end of the day, like losing to that man is, is. That's a great loss. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great loss and a meaningful loss. And like, I can't feel but that you bad won. about it. You, no, but you, you, you won because you, you, you got there. You know? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I was watching, I don't know where, I think I was watching a couple of days ago is being, uh, I think his trainer said, you know, are you. Being unknown and having that hunger in, in life, that, that life of an underdog, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter where the ring is, you said. Yeah. Right? It doesn't yeah. matter. I don't care. Yeah, it's a ring. And, you know, being an underdog, do you like that? Because a lot of people out there, they're, you know, we're all underdogs sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're not in the spotlight. Yeah. And that, what do you do, to, you know, to get uh, out of that, because that underdog, you know, type of maybe arena and then get, getting exposed, what, what motivated you? What, you know, what's an underdog to you? You know, um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where I, I was always considered the underdog just because, you know, I think people didn't realize my talent yep. and coming from where I came but you, from. you realized your talent. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I, I wasn't oh, I wasn't surprised when, when, when the victories came against the guys that I wasn't supposed to or the performances came when, you know, when, yep. when I was thought, thought of, you know, being, being out. Um, you know, even, even after the Pacquiao fight, I lost a Pacquiao fight and immediately went to a Amir Khan fight, which is another huge fight. And, you know, people were really written me off. Like, oh, Amir said he's going to knock me out in one round, all these different things. Freddie Roach said he was going to, you know, I was going to knock down one round, all these different things. Um, and then I went out there and put on a performance of life. We fought 12 rounds. Wow. Arguably, I won the fight, you yeah. know, some, a lot of people yeah, said. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, that, yeah. You know, but it, it's just one of those things where, like, I wasn't surprised. That's and crazy. 12 rounds. How was that 12 rounds fighting? Well, especially with a guy like like Amir oh Khan, gosh. who's so fast. Um, How, were you tired for like three months? After, like, <laughs> it's funny. People ask me all the time about like, oh, what's it like fighting 12? And it depends on the fight. Like after the the Amir fight, I was actually totally fine. Like I had a little, like a couple of marks on my face, but like physically, I was like, yeah, I was sore, but no That's more a gym, so. Twenty mile run. I, you know? I, I'm normally known for like I fight on Saturday night. Like I'm usually running on Monday, you know. But um, even Pacquiao, like I think Pacquiao was I was definitely tired afterwards, but I wasn't that beat up. I didn't take that much damage. Um, the Ruslan fight, other than my eye, I didn't get hit much in the fight. It was really just the eye, which took a long time. But body wise, I was fine. But then I remember I had, I had I had like local club show fights where I fought kids that like no one you know no one would ever heard of again and like I was like basically in a in a in a stretcher <laughs> you know that night yeah. so every fight's different. But I think it's realizing that you know being an underdog the the, the most important person you have to believe in is you mm-hmm. always 
you know always and it, especially in in the sport that I do you know I compete in it's it's you're you're there alone you step yeah. to the, the those ropes it's you the other guy and the ref is sometimes yeah. in the in the, in the visual but that's it and your family you know just thinking your family supporting you being there you know and you, and you have those couple people you need you don't need the world you just need a couple and you mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean i'm 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 i think i'm really good at being alone like i don't really i don't think about other people while i'm fighting um I think that might like deter me a little bit and kind of lose distract. I'm I'm just super focused on myself and internally. You know, and, and I think that underdog type of mentality is just you know you gotta just um just go out there and just make it happen. You know. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and um, I kind of I honestly I kind of got used to it. Um, I spent so much time in that underdog status, and I think maybe even in fights that people didn't maybe perceive as underdog, I did, and I was like, you know, like I, I got something to prove. You know, I always, I always felt like that. That wasn't necessarily to prove to everyone else, maybe to, even to prove to myself, because um, that's 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 part of that 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 negative self talk. It's like, do I belong here? Like, should I? Yeah. Am I supposed to win this fight? But but what you said is you have to be okay with being alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if you if if you're looking for approval all the time, it's a dangerous spot to be. I know I've been there. Mm-hmm. But when you're okay to be alone, which is sometimes takes time to get to in your life, you know. Yeah. That's a huge thing. That's a huge nugget. You know, as yeah. an athlete especially. And I think I gave in, and I've said this many times before in the past, like the Chris Algieri who's in the ring and the Chris Algieri who's maybe sitting in front of you in, in this podcast, they're two different guys. So, and if they cross each other on the street, they wouldn't even recognize each other because they're that different, wow. you know? And so I think that even though, like that guy in the ring, if I were to catch eyes with my cousin or my brother or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's not going to like deter me and be like, oh man, you know, I got to do it for these guys. It was like they're like anybody else. Like I'm a completely different person in there. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not even aware of of those interactions because it's just it's such an internal struggle. Even though you're fighting another man, yeah, it's an internal battle first. Yeah, it's huge. Now, when when did Chris Algieri Day happen at Stony Brook? Was that <laughs> that was uh, that was just before the Pacquiao fight? So I was, was before. Yeah, I was the current world champion, WO uh, world champion. Um, it was homecoming. Yep. weekend which was an awesome yeah, it's time fun there yeah um i brought wolfie a, was walking around the seal yes i think i, I think i might have punched wolfie that um <laughs> he had a black eye <laughs> it was staged it was definitely staged yeah, um yeah. yeah i brought a, a replica of my world title belt. actually i brought them and yep. i presented it to, awesome. to president stanley it's and a great school it really, is it's incredible I, just what they do and the campus is beautiful yeah and it's cool when you see the money actually go to where it's supposed to oh it's expanding like an incredible yeah. you said rate. something as you're walking out i remember the documentary you said you know and it's all about the energy, mm-hmm. you know, and I think where your energy, you know, uh, goes, your life will flow, right? Talk about energy, you know, uh, of being around the right energy, the right environments and creating energy internally so that there's energy externally in your life. You know, I'm a science guy. I've always been a science guy, science minded person and energy is real and it's neither created nor destroyed, but it's, it's placed in different places, right? Yep. Um, and we all have our own internal energy and the people around us have energies and we have our auras and that's basically just our energies touching. Um, and some people naturally bring your energy up and you kind of compound each other's energy and you can kind of, it's amazing what you can do because human beings are really are, like I said earlier, like I got to be able to do it alone, but really human beings are, we're, we're organisms that need to to communicate and be around other people and share. And that's the only way that you can be truly massive yeah eastern culture versus western culture we were talking about like you should be excited about other people succeeding yeah you want to succeed individually Mm -hmm. or or as a team or whatever but but that should i always looked at somebody succeeding like that just shows that it can be done yes yeah yeah and it's just like it's a check mark and there's enough success to go around yes that's that's the real thing and and the the real understanding 
but um about energy like even um leading up science stuff because you're like a genius like if you don't know chris he's a genius he's smart (laughs) makes me look like a jock i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i'm a a genius per se but you know definitely have a definitely have a science science mind and kind of an analytical thought process um but i kind of i speaking of energies back in the that is was such a huge part of my success was I was going through that time where I was struggling really hard. You know, I was I was a personal trainer. I was training for these fights and making a little money money in in, in um, on local events and trying to have a, a social and familiar life at the same time and really struggling to to pay my bills. I was living like like session to session basically. Wow. Um, but I kept just putting out good energy into the universe. That was my whole idea. I was like, I'm just going to keep pumping. And people are always like, How are you so busy all the time how do you keep yourself so busy how do you not just crash yep and i just said listen you know everything's about energy and and like i said earlier it's never created and destroyed so i'm just going to put out as much positive energy as possible it's going to come around yep and i remember when that 2014 when that year hit and like everything hit it was funny like i felt it coming like i was just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing getting nothing back pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and getting nothing back but I just knew there was something coming, and boom, when it hit, man, I got hit with all that positive energy all at once in like a seventh-month span, and it was just like so many good things happened. And you have, we talked about this before. What's in your, your mom in the, the bathroom? Because I, mm-hmm. I said something, and then you're like, oh, that's so funny. I grew up seeing it. Yeah, so it's um, you remember? God is your gift. Your, your, your life is your gift from God. What you do with your life is your gift back to him. Love it. God's you know? gift to us is life. And our li- life, our gift back to God is what we do with this life. Yeah, that has been and in my had, And I said it to him while we were down here, and he's like, dude. Right away, that's, that's been in my, my mother's bathroom for decades. It's so powerful because, you know, the universe is a giving universe. Mm-hmm. And in order for you to be in alignment with the universe, and I always speak about this, you have to be giving as well. Mm-hmm. As soon as we are self-consuming, narcissistic, we are in disalignment with what the universe is doing to us. Yeah. Giving us life, giving us minerals, giving us water, right? But if you're giving your love, your wisdom, your content, like that's why... We developed Seven Rock Life because I just, I wanted to be able to like, you know, give information of, I mm-hmm. wish I knew this stuff. You know, this was stuff I never learned in school. Yep. The whole book I went through is Seven Rocks of Life that I'm like, hey, these are the areas and this is the direct content. I go through like mortgages and how interest works and credit cards and, but you never learn that stuff. No, you don't. It's still true. And, and people want just truth in today's culture. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want information. They don't want just all this content. They want truth. Right. Right. And um, so, yeah, I mean, what are, what are the things universe wise, you know, because um, with energy, um, with training and other things that maybe you can give some tips of people want to progress. You know, what are three things that you you've learned in your life that you can give to the audience that maybe they can do to change your energy life, change what the universe is giving to them, quote unquote. I think first and foremost, go back to, you know, something that's been very powerful for me is, is the visualization. I think taking time to to kind of understand I mean, actually, sorry, before the visualization, I think you just need to understand and 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 make your goals something real. Yep. You know, take them from your mind, figure them out, because a lot of people just don't even know what their goals are, and they're kind of lost in that sense. So maybe number one is to figure out what your goals are, yep. and then to begin the manifestation process of those goals is to make them tangible things. You know, write them down, think about them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a sticker that I, was, I posted, and it's still on my wall today. I wrote on Ju- on June 14, 2014, I will be WBO World Boxing Champion. Wow. And I had it on my bathroom mirror. And you see it in front of you. Mm-hmm. Every day. Yeah. So I had it in my bathroom there and I've kept it and I still have it. It's in, it's, it's in my it's in my room. That's awesome. Um, so that was one. It was manifesting my goal. Um, and then I would say number two was visualizing 
the the accomplishment of that goal. Mm-hmm. See it, see it, see it. I saw myself getting my hands raised with that belt, um, you know, a thousand times, a million times before it actually it's, happened. It's like that blueprint, mm-hmm. you know. It's like you you know what you want to have, but now you're putting a blueprint in yep. front of you. You see it, you're visual, visualizing it. Yep. And I think the third thing is something that I've not been so good about is the reflection process mm-hmm. and the evaluation of what happened in the attainment of the goal. To take time, you know, post success to to take in that that energy and 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 because there's give back and there's blowback you know and and i don't think i think if you if you just keep moving on to the next thing and not acknowledging your accomplishment uh it leaves a gap and leaves some kind of negative hole or energy you know gap and um and i've I've, i'm not i am definitely guilty of this i've done that you know i've been like i'll think about later i'll think about later i'll think about later like i did what i need to do now Mm -hmm. i gotta go with the next thing i've got that kind of that New York mentality of go, 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 go. And um, I think only recently I've kind of thought back. I still haven't done it completely. But um, yeah, true. I think it's really good to, to, to evaluate. So I say, so first, say those three things, yeah. First, the first one would be to to understand what your goals are and write them down. Yep. Number two is going to be visualize the attainment of said goals. Mm. And then number three is going to be the evaluation of that attainment and okay. kind of go back and look it all over. Love it. Love it. You, this is an awesome, awesome podcast. And, you know, we're so excited for you, Chris, and everything. And, um, you know, two more things and we're done is mm-hmm. um, champion lifestyle, right? You have your, you know, your book It's going to be coming out with nutrition and actually two, I think we're going to be putting two or three of the recipes in, in yes. my book that's coming out in June. Awesome. So I'm so excited for that. Mm-hmm. So we got to see, and you promised to cook uh, two <laughs> or three, was it two or three? It was, it, was, it was something like that, two or three okay. meals. Yeah. So podcast nation, um, you know, Make sure that he sticks to his word. So that's a verbal <laughs> contract. So if it doesn't happen, I can bring you to court because yeah. I can say I have the audio. <laughs> Listen, we have it on audio. <laughs> um, but you know what? Um, what is a ch- what does it take to have a champion lifestyle? A lot of people out there they want to be a champion for their family as a wife, as a husband. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I know you're huge with your family. You have mm-hmm. an amazing family, and I see the love that you have for your family. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to you know, get the chance to meet them one day. But just the way you speak about them, everything you do. Is, is for being that rock. Because I always say, like, you could be the flick for your family and be the flick that actually lights up the family with dreams, mm. with excitement. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. takes one person, one dreamer. True. Right? So champion lifestyle. What's the mindset? What, is it, what does it take to be a champion? Well, I think you touched on it perfectly. It's like being a champion, and it doesn't have to be in sport. And that's, that's, I think that's the main disconnect of what the champion lifestyle is all about. It's, it's just about being the best. You know, the champion is the guy who bested all the other foes. Okay, let's let's kind of like strip that down, and that just means that you're you're being the best at some something specific, and yep. you're being better than those you know what you, what your oppositions are. Your opposition is not necessarily another peer, another person. You know, if you're in the office, like it's not about being the best accountant in the office. It's just about being the best um, at what you can do and where and 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 your attributes. Stay, of, staying in your lane. Staying in your lane. Do yeah. your job. Be the best at your job. And yeah. I think people kind of forget that, and they we have this grandiose idea that mm. you know. Being a champion means you're the best of everyone around and everything's a competition. I mean, compete with yourself first, you know, be the best version of yourself. And that's, that's really what the champion lifestyle is about. And it's amazing how, um, fruitful that mindset can be. If you, like you just said, if you stay in your lane, understand your lane, um, and, and be the best at what your job is and be the best of what you're doing at all times. Um, you know, and you can take it to anything in life, not from your relationships to, (laughs) 
cooking in the in the in, in the kitchen to you know working to being the best dad you know being being the champion dad you know like that that's 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 a big deal yeah it's not just a championship and, and success and money it's in all years of life yes, how you treat people mm-hmm. you know the love that you give to people sometimes you know i would say i, I finished with the book is like uh one world one side of the world's waiting for the other side to say hello mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sometimes yeah. you just need encouragement to say hey i'm mm-hmm. proud of you man I'm, i love you man yeah and those things that's awesome and last thing is your book explain the book when is it coming out um how did it come about you know and i'm excited because there's a lot of good, cool recipes and it's an awesome design too thank you thank you yeah uh the, the name of the book is the fighter kitchen um and it's 100 recipes that are tried and true things that i've been using with myself with my family with with my fighters um and it's not for fighters that's 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 really the 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 caveat to take away like it's 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 just for those people who are fitness orientated um maybe the weekend warrior the guy who goes to the you know the gym on saturday mornings but works all week but just they're they're the meals are real they're they're with ingredients that are not like crazy or are hard to find um an athlete could use them but really they're they're designed for the regular person day to day and that's kind of the thing about my diet people ask me all the time like hey which what what diet do you follow i'm like i don't <laughs> you yeah, know you're in phenomenal yeah. shape food is food yeah. is food food is food is given to us by nature it, it you know and 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 i always say i'm like if your if your individual body can tolerate it then it's good for you hmm. you just got to eat the right amount of it at the right time and that's kind of what the the cookbook has i mean it has everything there's nothing there's nothing eliminated from from the diet there's nothing eliminated from the recipes um and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's an exciting project. It's something that I've honestly been working on by myself for a long time. And I had uh, random punk published house reach out to me, say if I wanted to author this book. I was like, 100%. You guys read my mind. Yeah. So it's uh, it was awesome. a lot of work and it's it's looking to drop in June. Um, That's exciting. It's good stuff. What's, you know, and I asked you this before, you know, cause with your future. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your future projects, future things in the next five years? I know, you know, boxing, you, well, you explain. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I've... I've I'm two and zero since my comeback, you know, in boxing. So I'm, I'm making a, a title run. I want to be a world champion again. You have another one, May? Uh, June, June first, June first in Madison Square Garden. Um, oh, that's, awesome. that's a big one. And then uh, hopefully I can, you know, get another another title shot at the end of the year, or early in two thousand in two thousand twenty. Um, so I got a couple more years left of boxing, you know, and uh, making that making that that run. Uh, and I'm so happy to be back. It's it's this is this has been a passion project for me. This is something that um, I don't need to do, but I want to. Um, and I think I, I still have a lot left to give. So I'm doing that. And then and you do, because I can tell your energy. I mean, if you get around Chris, you know, you get a chance to meet him, his energy, he's just so authentic, so real, got a great heart, knows who he is. And, um, you know, you're, you got big things in store as you're boxing right now. And after, after sport, I would say yeah. life after sports. Yes. Life after sports is a big one. And then, yeah, I honestly, like you just said, like, um, you like helping people and you like, um, you know, sharing your experiences. I want to, I want to be a, a teacher. Yeah. I want to, I want to get in front of kids. I want to talk to them. I want to tell them about my experiences about and share my, my, my education and my knowledge. Um, I think that's an incredibly satisfying way to, to, yeah. to be uh, a person after sport. Yeah, no, and you have a lot of great valuable information and you're a huge asset to society, Thank you know, you. with that. So, and we really appreciate you having on, you know, Sudden Rock Life, you mm-hmm. know, nation and podcasts. And like, we always close it. We have one question. Okay. Right? And uh, are you ready for this question? I'm always ready. Sure. Okay. So, and I have to remember the question because if I forget, it's not good. Right? <laughs> so, if um, you had a billboard for the whole world to see, what would that one message be to the world? A billboard for the whole world to see. And it stays up for, forever in, in perpetuity, right? Yep. It's always there. Always there. <laughs> 
what would it be? I know this is a tough question. It is a tough question. Yeah, it's exciting. That's, a lot why, of it. that's why I finish it. So what would, would, it, would it be a word? Would it be a sentence? What would it be? Yeah, it would be one word. And uh, it, it, it speaks to... One of the reasons I'm, I'm giving this word because it's very versatile and you can take it any other way. And that's kind of what the idea of this is, right? Everyone has their own understanding of it. Mm-hmm. The word would be belief. Mm. Believe. Wow. And um, I have a bracelet that I... I'm on my gin bag and it just says believe and it's it's because again we're going back to being the underdog all the time and just believing in myself and my own abilities and where other people don't and it actually started with my wrestling uh my my coach from St. Anthony's High School uh coach Tony Rolters who's still there mm. um he was the first guy to believe in me from an athletic standpoint mm. um he saw something in me in 10th grade and was like you know what He's not that good now, but he's he 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 can be good later, and uh, I always attest my 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 accomplishments in wrestling to that man because he saw something in me and he believed in me, um and and him instilling that belief or making me feel and share that belief, I just ran with it. So that would be definitely the billboard belief. Oh, love it. Well, thank you so much. I know Podcast Nation, you guys had an awesome time with this, and uh, definitely gonna do big things. Get his book. Where can people find you? Uh, just chrisaljury.com you know if you can spell my name you can find me on any of my social media platforms but that's probably the easiest way awesome well thanks again guys have an awesome day stay classy and I will talk to you guys soon I see you broken and beat head pulled down over your eyes every part of you wants to surrender darling you were meant to survive